Our dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of life and we thank you, Lord, for protection and guidance. Dear Lord, we bring ourselves to you today as we fellowship with you. We ask that you would consecrate us to your service. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. Grant us of your Holy Spirit. Give us a heart as that of a child. We know, Lord, that the lot depends on us. But we pray, Father, for the blessing of your Holy Spirit and your holy angels with us. I pray, Father, that you put your words in my mouth for the sake of your Son who died on the cross of Calvary, that the words spoken shall be blessed in the hearts of your children to the end that we all shall prepare for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 11. Knowledge Requires Action Ezra was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6 More than 2,000 years have passed since Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Yet, the lapse of time has not lessened the influence of his pious example. Through the centuries, the record of his life of consecration has inspired many with the determination to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Ezra's motives were high and holy. In all that he did, he was actuated by a deep love for souls. The compassion and tenderness that he revealed towards those who had sinned, either willfully or through ignorance, should be an object lesson to all who seek to bring about reforms. There is no such thing as weakening or strengthening the law of Jehovah. As it has been, so it is. It always has been and always will be holy, just and good complete in itself. It cannot be repealed or changed. To honor or dishonor, it is but the speech of men. Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise, and this preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. The tremendous issues of eternity demand of us something besides an imaginary religion, a religion of words and forms, where truth is kept in the outer court. If the saints of the Old Testament bore so bright a testimony of loyalty, should not those upon whom is shining the accumulated light of centuries bear a still more signal witness to the power of truth? Shall we let the example of Ezra teach us the use we should make of our knowledge of the scriptures? The life of this servant of God should be an inspiration to us to serve the Lord with the heart and mind and strength. 
we each have an appointed work to do and this can be accomplished only by consecrated effort. We need first to set ourselves to know the requirements of God and then to practice them. Then we can sow seeds of truth that will bear fruit unto eternal life. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Knowledge Requires Action. We left off in our devotion looking at the man called Ezra, a man who was raised up for his time to bring about a reformation, not in the building of the temple as it was for Zerubbabel, Joshua and Nehemiah, but his own kind of reform that he was supposed to bring to the children of Judah is the kind of reform that is needed for the children of God today. The reform that Ezra was to bring was so important because it was in preparation for the first coming of Jesus and the reform that we ought to do today is equally as important, perhaps I would say more important because it is a reform in preparation for the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ezra's study of God's word came at a crucial point in the earth's history. In the days of Daniel, the Lord had revealed concerning the prophecy that ushers the time of the end. The end of this 2300 days prophecy was a very important and significant event, but without the beginning, there will be no end. In Daniel's vision of the trampling of the sanctuary, he heard the following words spoken in Daniel chapter 8 verse 14, and he said unto me, unto 2,300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. After Daniel prayed, in Daniel chapter 9, angel Gabriel came again to reveal to him the starting date to give him understanding of this 2,300 days prophecy and he was told in Daniel 9 verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now what Gabriel is about to say is simply saying you need a reformation. Jerusalem is going to be set free, but during the time they are set free, 490 years is given to them and they are supposed to have a spiritual revival and reformation in this time to prepare for the first coming of Jesus. So he said, 70 weeks are determined, that is cut off from that 2300 days prophecy, from the 2300 years, 490 years have been cut off for your people. What are they to do with it? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now the next statement Gabriel makes in verse 25 tells the starting date of that 2300 days prophecy. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandments to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks that simply put 69 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So to break this statement down, Gabriel is saying, understand the time to begin this 490 years which is cut out from the 2300 years is when a decree is given to restore that is to restore Jerusalem and to rebuild Jerusalem and he specifically says that the walls and the streets are going to be built again. 
Cyrus gave a decree for the building of the temple but not for the re- restoration of Jerusalem. The 2300 days prophecy was to begin when a decree is given to restore and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. In the midst of this prophecy, Gabriel had mentioned a heartwarming news to Daniel. He heard the words that the decree was to be given to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. And 69 weeks later, which is 483 years later, the long-awaited Messiah will come. The desire of Israel and of the whole world was about to come. Plans were finally being laid for it. God promised Adam and Eve that a seed would come and would bruise the head of the serpent and would free man from the bondage of sin. Over the years, this promise had not yet been fulfilled, and all Israel had heard Isaiah, they heard David, Moses, Jeremiah, Micah, and virtually all the prophets speak of this coming Messiah. But no one knew when this would happen. No one knew when the Messiah would come. Finally, Daniel's prophecy gave the time for when this would happen. But there was a decree to be given that would kickstart the process. That decree was a decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. Let's look at the history of the kings of Medo-Persia so that we understand carefully why this is the correct decree. The first king of the Medo-Persian Empire was King Cyrus, that is after conquering Babylon. I'm talking of the whole empire. He was king. He started his reign in 553 BC, but that time he had not yet conquered Babylon, so he was not yet the ruler of the whole world. He took over Babylon in 538 BC and became the leader of the Second World Empire. In the same year, at the end of the 70 years' captivity, he gave the decree to rebuild the temple but not the streets of Jerusalem. But no decree had gone for to rebuild the city itself, which according to Gabriel includes the building of the walls, the reparation of the streets. Once this decree is given, the stage is set, not just for the time of the end, but for the most important event in the salvation of man, the coming, the first coming of our Lord Jesus. It is for this reason that Satan brought so much obstacles in the way of Israel when they were trying to rebuild that temple. After Cyrus, Darius the Great, Darius I the Great began his reign in 522 to 486 BC. Two years into his reign, of course, between them we had Cambyses and we also had false Medes. But Darius I the Great was the one in fi- who reigned from 522 to 486 and in his reign he gave the commands to rebuild the temple and in the sixth year of his reign, that is in 515 BC, the temple was completed. After Darius I the Great came King Ahasuerus or Zexis. Do you know him? He was the one who came into power. Satan determined in his days to work out the destruction of all the Jews. Satan was desperate at this time, struggling to prevent the prophecy of the coming Messiah that what he heard that was given to Daniel by Gabriel that was going to come to pass. But God also was doing a work behind the scenes. Providence ordered that through Mordecai, his relative Esther was made queen and he married that man, the king, called Zexis. Through her, the plan of Satan to destroy all the Jews was thwarted and the Jews lived. God's seed was preserved through which the Messiah would come. You know, when you read these stories, you wonder why were all these things happening? There is something happening. Why would Satan want to destroy all the Jews just because he wants to destroy them? No. He knew that the prophecy had finally been given that the Messiah was going to come. He heard it. He was the one that withstood Gabriel so that that prophecy would not come to Daniel. 
He was the one that was ensuring that things will not work as fine as God wants it to work, but God overruled. When he saw that, okay, the prophecy has been given, he now desperately tried to kill all the Jews so that there will be no one that the Lord can use to bring about the coming of the Messiah. But it didn't work, especially was those of the house of David his special target because he knew that they are the ones through whom the Messiah would come. So he sought to kill them, but God protected them. Now that the temple was built and Satan's plan was thwarted, it was time for that decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem to come to effect. King Xerxes, the husband of Esther, reigned from 486 to 465 BC. The Lord had used him to accomplish the preservation of the Jews. After Esther's husband, the next king of Persia was King Ataxerxes I. He reigned from 465 to 423 BC. Another important work now needed to be done in preparation for the way for the coming of the Messiah. Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. Ezra was the man for this important time. The Lord stirred his spirit to get this decree from the king at the time. With a holy impulse and much prayer, he went to request from the king his permission for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We read the following concerning him in Ezra 7 from verse 6. It says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord God upon him. What was the request granted to King to Ezra and what led to the king granting Ezra this request? We will look at that very soon. Continuing verse 7, it says, And there went up some of the children of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Ataxerxes the king. It says in verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now, what was the request, like I said, that God, that we read now that the king attacks Exodus, listened to Ezra and gave him all his requests. Verse 11 says, it is this request to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem that Gabriel told Daniel about. And remember that this request is so key and important because the date for that restoration and rebuilding of Jerusalem tells us when to start counting so that we can count 69 weeks which is 483 years when we get to 483 years it's supposed to be 483 days just in case you are wondering and a day represents a year in prophecy you can look at the book of ezekiel chapter 4 verse 6 and numbers 14 verse 34 god says he appointed in prophetic time a day to represent a year so when Daniel was told that 69 weeks were given. From the starting date, 69 weeks later, which is 483 days later, the Messiah will come. Since a day is a year, so 483 years later, from the decree when it is given, that is when the Messiah will be anointed. Not that he will be born, but he will be anointed. That's what he was told. So, Ezra 7 verse 11 says, now, this is the copy of the letter that the king Ataxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. Ataxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace and at such a time. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. 
for as much as thou art sent of the king and of his seven counsellors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of thy God, which is in thine hand, and to carry the silver and gold which the king and his counsellors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem, and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the province of Babylon, with the freewill offering of the people and of the priests, offering willingly for the house of their God which is in Jerusalem, thou, that thou mayest buy speedily with his money bullocks, rams, lambs, with their meat offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them upon the altar of the house of your God which is in Jerusalem. And going on and on, he simply gave them autonomy and also gave them everything that they will need to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. This decree contained in the book of Ezra is so important. It signified the commencement of the plan of salvation. It signified that the long-awaited plan for the Messiah to come was finally put to effect. I wonder what happened in heaven and how the hosts of Satan reacted to this decree that commenced the time prophecy that foretold the coming of the Messiah and also his death and humiliation and the deliverance of man from sin. When Gabriel gave Daniel this, this vision, he told him in Daniel 9 verse 25, down to 27. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem till the Messiah the Prince shall be 69 weeks which I have told you is 483 days which is 483 years. Then he said the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Then Gabriel said to him that after three score and two weeks the Messiah shall be cut off. That is, there's first of all this seven weeks, which is f which is the 49 years, then three score and two weeks. And he's telling him in the 483rd year from the time this decree is given, which is here at the time when Ezra is receiving this, which is in 457 BC. From this time, count 483 years later, the Messiah will be anointed. Guess what? 483 years, when you count 483 years from 457 BC when Ezra received this decree, do you know what happened? A man came to the Jordan River and came to meet a man called John the Baptist. This man who came, his name is Jesus, and he was baptized, and the Holy Spirit as a dove came from heaven and laid on him. And then from heaven a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Messiah was anointed. But this day when Ezra was receiving this decree was the beginning for them to count to know when the Messiah will come. And in Daniel 9 verse 26 and 27, he said, Gabriel said to Daniel that the people of the prince shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. This is referring to the Romans. They will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the, of the war, desolations are determined. And he, that's the Messiah now, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. One week is seven days. Remember, we have been talking about 493 years. What is left to complete the 490, which is 70 weeks, is seven years. So in the midst of the week, that is three and a half years, the Messiah will be killed. 
three and a half years. And how long was the ministry of Jesus? Exactly that three and a half years. So this decree is also important because it tells us the end of the 2300 days prophecy. 2300 years from the day this decree was given in 457 BC, autumn of 457 BC, the final work of the cleansing of the sanctuary began. So what is the cleansing of the sanctuary being referred to in Daniel chapter 8 where it was said that unto 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This refers to the day of atonement, the last phase in the salvation of man. There were three feasts given by God to Israel. These three feasts were further divided into seven feasts. The purpose of these feasts was to give us an expression of the process of salvation. The feast begins with the Passover, then the unleavened bread, the first fruits, then the feast of weeks or Pentecost. Then you now have the feast of trumpets at the fifth one and the sixth of them is the day of atonement and the seventh one is the feast of tabernacles. All these feasts were supposed to take place apart from the tabernacles, the feasts all of them were to at least commence within these 2300 years and they did happen till the last one which began at the end of the 2300 years and that is the cleansing of the sanctuary now these feasts represent actual things that god was going to do in order to bring about the full salvation of man from sin and which will finally end in the destruction of satan at the end of the day of atonement also known as the cleansing of the sanctuary. So you can have a grasp of how Satan viewed this prophecy given to Daniel. He was going to get desperate. He was going to do all he can to ensure that this prophecy is not going to happen or that the decree will not be given. Can you understand now why Satan tried to kill Jesus? Every day that was passing by was the clock ticking for his death for his final judgment. When he heard Gabriel say, unto 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, he knew that his days was numbered. He knew, but he was desperate to ensure that every event that was supposed to happen in that 2300 years, he will do his best to ensure it doesn't happen. He tried to kill all the Jews. It didn't work out. He tried to stop them from building the temple. It didn't work out. And now Ezra, a man for his time, there was a decree that was supposed to be given and he wanted to ensure that this decree will never be given, but he also failed. Satan tried to do all he can, but it didn't work. God overruled. He brought about an event that ensured that the kings of Persia attacked Xerxes I, gave the decree, that is, God brought about this event that ensured that attacked the I, gave the decree for the commencement of the 2300 days prophecy. Ezra was the man for this time and God, in answer to his prayer, went before him to prepare the way so that when he made his request, the king would give him all that he asked for. For there was a trouble that threatened the house of the king and made sure that when Ezra came, the king wrote in the decree in Ezra 7 verse 3, Hear what the king said. He said, Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also we certify you that touching anything of the priests and Levites, singers, porters, nethinims, or ministers of the house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates. So you see here now, this is really the restoration of Jerusalem, not just the rebuilding of the streets now, but talking of restoring Jerusalem to be what it was before. And what was it? They ruled themselves by their own laws. So this is the decree to restore Jerusalem. He's saying, Ezra, this is verse 25 of Ezra 7, Ezra, 
after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon upon him, whether it be unto death or banishment or to confiscation of goods or to imprisonment. God promises indeed knows no haste or delay. The only part of the prophecy in Daniel 8 which was not given understanding is this 2300 days prophecy. Every other thing was explained. Hence, after the vision, Daniel said he didn't understand. But when he was praying, of course, the understanding was brought to him. Daniel was told that out of the 2300 years, 70 weeks or 490 years was given, that is determined or cut off strictly for the Jews to do a work of preparation and purification. Ezra had a work to do, to help his brethren in Israel, to bring an end to sin and make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. In keeping with this, Ezra sought to help his people bring about a change of life. A certain time, a report was given him concerning the intermarriage of the Israelites with unbelievers and he made sure that the people made a change and reformed. Why was this thing so important? Why is it that the king told Ezra, rule the people according to your law? Why? It is because God had said to them that they have 490 years to remove themselves from sin. But this would not have been possible were they still being ruled by another person's law. If they were still being ruled by the either Babylonians or the Persians, it would not be possible for them to do what they wanted to do to bring about an end to sin and to bring in a reconciliation for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness. This is the reason why this decree was important. This decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem would not be possible if or the coming of the Messiah would not be possible if the people were not prepared for it and for them to be pre- prepared for it they needed autonomy Satan did not want this to happen but God overruled and gave them the autonomy and Ezra began to do the work of restoration in the people and we are told for our own time today we also have the same work to do Conflict and Courage, page 260, paragraph 5 and 6. It says, Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. The tremendous issues of eternity demand of us something besides an imaginary religion, a religion of words and forms, where truth is kept in the outer court. In the saints of the Old Testament, if the saints of the Old Testament bore so bright a testimony of loyalty, should not those upon whom is shining the accumulated light of centuries bear a still more signal witness for the truth, for the a, a still more signal witness to the power of truth? Shall we let the example of Ezra teach us the use we should make of our knowledge of the scriptures? The life of this servant of God should be an inspiration to us to serve the Lord with heart and mind and strength. We each have an appointed work to do, and this can be accomplished only by consecrated effort. We need first to set ourselves to know the requirements of God and then to practice them. 
then we can sow seeds of truth that will bear fruit unto eternal life. Amen. What did Ezra do with his knowledge? Ezra knew the word of God. When we read the book of Ezra chapter 9 and chapter 10, there was something that happened that showed how Ezra brought about the reformation. A report was brought to Ezra concerning the people of the land and even how that the nobles of the land had married unbelievers when Ezra heard this because he is one who knew the law of the Lord. That he was told in Ezra 9 verse 2, For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. And what is the trespass? In verse 1, he was told that the people have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Egyptians, and the Amorites. So there were problems when Ezra came to Jerusalem. Apart from the fact that the people were married to them, he said he was told that they did not separate from the, themselves from the practices of these Jebusites and the rest. What did Ezra do? The Bible tells us that Ezra plucked out his hair and his beard and sat down astonished and he did not eat anything till the evening. He was shocked because he trembled at the word of God. Why was Ezra shocked? He knew something that others did not know. And what was it that he knew? He knew that this thing that the people are doing is the same thing that was done by their fathers that made them go into that 70 years of captivity. So when he heard that the people have not separated themselves, that they are doing according to the abominations of the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, oh, Ezra thought about the past and he knew his word and he thought to himself that this is the problem that we had in the past. How about you? Do you see today God's church repeating the abominations of the past? Do you like Ezra realize that there is a reformation to be done? Do you think that there is no difference between the church and the world? Do you see the church practicing the abominations of the world but you are saying it is no longer an abomination, that it is those things of the past? Well, Ezra could have said the same thing. It was almost 200 years since they went to captivity, over a hundred years at least. Could he have said too that these things are no longer abominations? These people, they were practicing it all over the place. That is just how it is today. People have conformed to worldly practices. But Ezra, with his knowledge, there had to come some action. And how about us? If you have knowledge, knowledge must be accompanied with action. His action, first of all, came in making sure he got that decree for the fourth, in 457 BC for the restoration and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And when he was in Jerusalem, he brought about a reformation. Do you know what he did? He ensured that everyone that was married to an unbeliever separated. Did you get that? Who will do that today? Ezra ensured that every child of God that was married to, an, to a non-Jew, they broke that marriage. They did not continue. Now, if those people were converted, of course, he wouldn't have done that. But the report given to him is that the people have not separated themselves, that they are doing according to the abominations of these women. So it is not that these were converted people and he just said separate yourself from them. They were unconverted. They were worshipping idols. That is the abominations. And they were doing all kinds of things that the Lord has, pro has said to them that they should not do. And Ezra began the work of reformation. But he took it easy with them. He, when they came to him and they said to him, this thing is not a matter of a day or of two days. It's going to take us time. And they had a meeting. 
and for two months they were judging the matter and after two months they had finished judging every issue and then it took them some time and they restored themselves to what they needed to be that teaches us a lesson in the work of reform when you teach people things like health reform dress reform sabbath reform even this one that has to do with marriage we should take it easy on the people not by not telling them the truth but to expect that people will just change instantly is not the case in many other reforms there are some reforms that can be done immediately there are some that take time to do and in the case of ezra he gave them time and after some time the reformation was done the lord has clearly spelled out to us what we ought to do in our time and principles that will guide us in this story of ezra we see typically even ezra and nehemiah which we're going to see later typically we see what we are supposed to be doing in our time what are we told in the book of first corinthians 10 verse 11 all these things were written and they are written for us they are examples for us that we may look at them and know what we ought to do i'm just paraphrasing of course that these are basically typical examples of what we should do how we can conduct our reforms and we will look subsequently at the areas that we need to have reformations may the lord make us ezra's for our time that we may bring about a reformation christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise and this preparation they should make by diligently studying the word of god and striving to conform their lives to its precepts we need first to set ourselves to know the requirements of god and then to practice them then we can sow seeds of truth that will bear fruit unto eternal life the lord bless you as you engage in this work of reform and bring about the restoration of jerusalem in your own life let us pray dear father in heaven Please, may we be inspired by your grace with the story of Ezra that we also will do our work of reformation, studying your word to know its requirements and then setting our hearts to practice whatever we read. Help us, Lord, that the knowledge we have will lead us to action, that as we see the prophecies that pertain to our time, we will be stirred up to bring about these prophecies into fulfillment. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Give me ears to
will go.